everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. This is Damon. I got Brett and Kyle back with me. It's been a few weeks since we've been on here. Uh, yeah, had a little bit of jury duty and some other stuff trying to get caught up, but it's good to be back on and we're excited to start this new season of relational evangelism. So uh, that's the new topic and the new theme for this next season of our podcast and as well as the sermon series for our church. Uh, this past Sunday, Noah Chi, shout out to the Forge. Yeah, go Noah. Uh, shared on uh, what relational evangelism looks like to him. And uh, this coming Sunday, Henry Chi is going to be sharing about relational evangelism as well. And next week, they're going to be our guests on the podcast as well. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't listened to Noah's message from this past Sunday, uh, it was great. And you'll want to check it out on our YouTube channel or on our website. Uh, but as we are getting this season of relational evangelism started, I wanted to throw it out to you guys. When you think of relational evangelism, what comes to mind? Uh, honest, my my initial reaction, uh, a little bit of fear, um, just having to go meet strangers, talk to new people, that kind of stuff. So that's one of the first things that comes to mind. How about you, Brett? Flirt to convert, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, that's a different <laughs> angle. All right, all right. Just kidding, kind of, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works, but I don't think that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times when we think of the, the term evangelism, I, I mean, I can totally relate to you, Kyle, in terms of feeling a little bit afraid. Um, but I think what we're trying to explore and experience in this season is that I think the way that we have thought about uh, evangelism, it, it needs to shift. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we think of someone that is just like standing on on a, a bench or a table that's saying, you know, you need to convert to Jesus, believe in Jesus because he loves you or something like that. And, and we think of that as evangelism. But I think we're trying to take a different uh, angle at it with mm. this theme of e- relational evangelism and doing it in the relationships that we have in our everyday life and the people you know, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with the people that are closest to us, you know, and doing it that way. Kind of reminds me of the movie. Have you guys ever seen the movie um, Pay It Forward? Yeah, uh, it's been I, a while. I think so. Yeah. A while ago, yeah. Right. So the, the, the theory behind the movie was that, you know, if you do one big nice act for three people and then they go and do one big nice act for three other people, it, just this exponential growth and how... Um, doing these nice things for people and paying it forward will actually reach a lot of people really quickly. And all you have to do is three yourself. And so I think that's kind of more the direction that we're going as opposed to, we have to have this big event where we get thousands of people and share the gospel with them. It's more, who are the people that are closest to us? Are we able to evangelize and share our faith with them? And then in turn, they go out and share their faith with other people Mm -hmm. and the way that that can exponentially grow. And I think that's kind of more the direction that we're going to go. Um, but to get started for this episode, one of the things that uh, it was interesting as we were talking uh, the last couple of days, Kyle had some interesting thoughts and I thought it would be really cool to relate that to what we're, where we're going with the re- relational evangelism. So Kyle, would you like to share? Yeah, you know, I was listening to a podcast uh, talking about the golden rule. Wait, who shared this podcast with you? I is this random person Mimo? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Where, I don't know. It's the first time ever, I think. <laughs> but it was one on, um, yeah, the golden rule. But there were some different things I had never heard of, uh, relating to it. So, 
they actually talked about three different rules. One is the wooden rule. Uh, the second is the silver rule, and the third is the golden rule. So the okay. Before you expand, Brett, yes. have you ever heard of any of these other rules, or not described that way? I, I don't think I've ever. Everybody asked me, "Have you heard of the wooden rule?" I think if they asked me that, I I would assume I'm about to get spanked. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> exactly what wooden, I thought too. The wooden ruler. <laughs> yeah. The spoon. The spoon's yeah. coming out. Yeah. It's like, oh shoot. It kind of does fit with that because the the wooden rule is uh, do to others what they do to you. I think, right? Is that? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a very transactional rule. So if. If someone hurts you, then you can hurt them back. Mm. But at the same time, it can be good too. So right. it could be if someone gives you a compliment, then then you give them a compliment back. Right. So that's like the just kind of the the basic part of how to how to interact with people. Mm. But you could take it up a notch, and you can say the silver rule is don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So it's like just that trying to take away the negative. So don't do something negative to somebody else because you don't want something negative done to you. Mm. Yeah, sometimes um, I, I feel like my kids are going in between those two sets of rules, right? It's like <laughs> they come, he hit me. I was like, well, what did you do to him? Oh, well, I hit him too. It's like, okay, well, what do you expect them to do? And then it's like, hey, if you don't want them to hit you, then don't hit them, right? So right. I think uh, as we're talking, it's kind of levels of maturity. We're trying to take them from one yes, level of maturity yes. to the next. And so this one where it's don't do to others, it's, it's a little bit higher level of maturity than the, the initial one where it's, I'm just doing to them what they did to me. Right. Yeah. Cause the, the sec, yeah, that next level up, it's man, I, I don't want bad stuff to happen to me. So mm. therefore I'm not going to do bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the, the, the last level is the golden rule, which is do to others, what you would have them do to you. So then it's taking it even further where I, I want to bless people because I would like to be blessed, but it's you're you're gonna go do something positive for somebody else. Not even that they are gonna do it back to you, but just because that's what you would want done to you. Mm. So I thought it was interesting the way they broke down those three. Um, or I actually I had never heard of the first two. I mean, I've heard of them, yeah. and I've actually done those, but but I've never heard them described that way. So I thought yeah, I was, was gonna say I've I've heard of those things, but I've never known them as those wooden, silver, golden rules. Yeah, right. I thought it was cool, too, when Noah was sharing, one of the stories that he shared about uh, was about um, when he was out with his family and they saw a homeless person on the street and they asked him if he wanted some food and they got some stuff from McDonald's and they shared a meal with him. You know, I felt like that really related to kind of this golden rule thinking because you know, if we were in that situation, how would we want other people to respond to us? We wouldn't want them just to walk by, right? We'd want them to say, hey, you look hungry. Would you Would you like something to eat? I can help provide for you, right? And so I felt like that was a really good example of what the golden rule actually looks like. It's not just to the people that you know and care about, or mm-hmm. yeah. but just putting yourself in someone else's shoes and saying, yeah, if I was in that situation, I would want someone to do this for me. Yeah, and it's interesting I know the the podcast didn't go this direction, but listening to it and just kind of hearing some different um, things described, it, it actually triggers something in me where I actually thought of, wow, I've always heard the golden rule as do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. But in some translations, it actually says that. In some, it says what you would have them do to you, which I think one even says need. But for me, I was like, 
I'm like, oh, sometimes I want a certain thing, but that's not really what I need. And so it got me to start thinking, sometimes the golden rule actually can look, it could even look harsh or it could look unloving. Because I think mm. I've always heard the golden rule of like, oh, yeah, you just, you just want to bless and it's always good and just kind of more on the fluff side. But sometimes people need a, a, a stern accountability yeah or wake-up call or something like that and that's actually what they need and actually what they inside would really want but our in society usually our wants are more or when we say it's what we want it's more of like a take away the negative stuff or just make sure it's all it's all positive and affirming so it just got me thinking i'm like i had never really thought of the golden rule that way and not that that's like the main Mm -hmm. way you would apply the golden rule but i think there's that element to it like well sometimes that golden rule actually could come across in a sort of, could be taken as a negative type of thing. Yeah. And, and hearing about it, I was kind of even trying to dissect, well, what's the difference between the wooden rule and the golden rule? Mm. Both of them have similarities in that what one side is, is getting and receiving the same as the other, but you guys describing the wooden rule as being transactional I think the thought that came to mind is that one is based more off of like somebody else or an external Mm -hmm. thing where oftentimes the wooden rule in your example that you gave Damon is kind of like, Oh, because somebody did this to me, now I get to do it. And so it's based outside of your control or your choice, or you feel like, so it's reactional. It's reactional where the golden rule is more like, you know, in our church, when we, t- we talk about like being a powerful person, it's making the choice that you're going to do something not based off of just, oh, because they did this to me, now this is what they get in return. But I want to do this because whatever your, your reasons are versus just reacting to, well, this person did this, so that means I'm just going to do this. And so I, I feel like the golden rule also takes, the, the maturity level it takes is to, understand like who we are and the the choices the blessings the things that we can do um and and to to have confidence and step into that rather than just it based off of everything outside of us Mm -hmm. right it it really takes a a look inside in order for us to then act out or live out outwardly yeah so with the golden rule it's a lot more um proactive and a lot more intentional than some of the other ones where it's more reactional and allowing the outside to influence what we do as Mm -hmm. opposed to us influencing what happens on the outside. Yeah. I think in some ways though, they, they both come from the inside. The, the wooden rule, it is, it's reactionary, but it's reactionary to like a emotion inside. It's like anger Mm -hmm. on the negative. It's anger or some kind of thing that way, or even the positive, like, Oh, they bought me dinner. I have to, buy them dinner, then it's more of like a, a guilt or a you know, obligation duty type thing. So it comes from a different place. Whereas then I listening to you talk, Brett, I was like, oh yeah, the, the golden rule really then just comes from like love. Mm. And so love has different facets, but it really, it's like, oh, why, how are we, um, or what are we operating from when we yeah, utilize those different rules? Mm-hmm. I, I think part of it too is I, I would like, to think in the when we're talking about the golden rule, I, I think how you guys worded it was, it's not necessarily that you're guaranteed the other thing in return, right? 
the because the the wooden rule is a transaction mm-hmm. there is a tit for tat right. there is a okay you give what you get you get what you give yeah, yeah. but for the golden rule it's like no i i'm doing this because this is what i want but it doesn't i'm not expecting or receiving anything in return first or someone's not buying me dinner first necessarily someone's not hitting me first necessarily so i'm going to react it's more okay i'm going to do this and there may or may not be a return but the reason why you're doing it is a little different it's really a, like a servant mindset then that you're doing it from right I think so. I mean, that's how I kind of see it and, and perceive it. Yeah, I kind of wanted to circle back a little bit to what you were talking about a little, Kyle, um, in regards to sometimes the golden rule can look a little harsh to you um, because mm-hmm. I do think that there are times in our lives where we do need someone to point us in a different direction, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, throughout the Bible, it talks about repenting, right? Well, when you repent, that's turning around from what you were doing and going in a different direction. But, uh, you know, if we're always just continually encouraged, we might continue down the wrong path and never turn back in the direction that we need. So sometimes we need that or we, you know, and I think deep down we really want that is we want people to recognize when we're headed down the wrong path and to, to make it straight again, to make us point us in the right direction you know, and that's why I think things like life coaches and things like that are really popular now because people want someone to help give them direction. And so I think for us, really what we're recognizing as believers and as followers of Jesus is really Jesus is the one that's heading in the right direction and we want to follow him. But sometimes we can go off path and, and there's times where we might need someone to help us to recognize that because we can't see it for ourselves. I think one thing that that comes to mind with that is when it when it is the, I don't want to say harsh because I don't want to make it just seem like it's a negative thing, mm-hmm. but one where it's not just like a, a keep going fluffy fluffy it desire could be like something that's difficult or challenging. Or, yeah, yeah, I I think a lot of people will say they want accountability, mm. and they want. You know, like, oh, if, if I was ever in that situation, I would want my friend to tell me I'm doing something wrong or I want someone to tell me that that's not right or I should think about that. And even with it being the golden rule, I think there is a level of it seeming like a nice idea. And then when it happens, is your reaction to it, do you still view it as like, in the lens of the golden rule or is it, does it now feel like the wooden rule to you? I, I think that can be two factors for me is how it was delivered. Mm-hmm. So was it really delivered from a place of love? Cause if it was then, and you still react, then it's from, there's something else inside that's not allowing you to see it that way. Yeah. So I think it could be, it could be intended to be the golden rule, but it's not coming out from the right place or, For sure. or it's just, you're not able to receive it because of some other. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah I, Cause I, I had a, a situation with a friend where, um, you know, that was an ongoing discussion mm. and it came to a point where I had to tell him you're, you're not like, he would ask questions and initially he wouldn't, like the response the answer to it and so then he would just like ignore or like but i'm like okay well you're asking for it Mm -hmm. and so it it came to a point where i had to be like well you're not 
when he would ask me, I said, well, are you ready to hear the answer? Because you're not going to like it. Mm. And I wouldn't answer. I wouldn't answer that person until they were like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, to kind of dive into it. And so that's, I guess that's where I'm coming from in like, you know, I say I want to be held accountable. I want to make sure. But then it's like if one of you guys tell me, hey, Brett, I don't think you should be doing that. And then I'm like tripping out over it. <laughs> do I really want do I really want that? Or am I able to really recognize that and, and see it in that lens? Or is it like, OK, you know, you guys are just bringing out the wooden spoon and, and taking the smack at me when it's like, no, you guys are you guys are implementing the, the golden rule and wanting to. Hey, I would want somebody to keep me accountable. So I'm going to share this with you. But then the person receiving it, like, are they able to receive in that lens as well? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like you said, I think that the tone and the way that things are delivered, it really, it really does make a difference mm-hmm. because, you know, we are emotional people. We do have emotions. We want to acknowledge that. And so how you say things, it affects us. It affects us. And I, th- I think one other factor that just popped up to me was, is the type of relationship you have with that person. Mm. Like the, the more depth you have, Hopefully they could trust you and take it from the right place. But if it's not a, a deep relationship, it's going to be hard, yeah. harder. I think I just think of parenting with my son. Just you know, this just recently having to get to a place of kind of forcing him to do something and telling him that you're going to thank me later for having you do this mm-hmm. because I I saw what he needed to to step into and and go through. But he wouldn't have wanted that for himself. Mm-hmm. But I know he needed that. And then actually even hearing him say afterwards, like, thank you for making me do that. You know, but that's that he he had enough trust in me. Well, sorta. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was rocky, but even if we didn't have a, a, a better relationship, it probably would have not actually been able to go through. Yeah, I was going to say, it's cool that you were able to receive that thanks because I was going to say, you might not receive that thanks for 20 years or yeah. something like that. <laughs> it shocked me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think that's a really good segue into how this all relates to uh, relational evangelism is I think for a lot of people uh, and me especially, I think when we think of the term evangelism, we think of, oh, I got to go share the gospel with people I don't know. Or I have, there's a lot of pressure. preaching kind of. Yeah, kind of of a preaching. Cold contact. Right. Because we think of people like, oh, Billy Graham is a great evangelist, which he is. But when I think of Billy Graham, I don't think I have a relationship with Billy Graham. Right. And so uh, I think there's a, a, a sense of you know, a disconnect and like a, a strong, powerful message that I have to be ready to give to whoever. Right. But I think some of the things that we're recognizing, even with talking about Golden Rule, is the closer relationship that we have, the more ready people are going to be to receive what we have to say. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, also, they'll be able to recognize where some of these things are coming from. Right. So someone might see something nice that, Brett is doing for someone else and say, oh, well, he's just doing that because he's expecting to get this in return because they're looking at it through the lens of the wooden rule. Mm-hmm. But really, if it, if they're in real relationship and a close relationship, they might just recognize, no, that's part of who Brett is. He's just going out of his way because he cares for that person to do something that he's not expecting anything in return. He's just doing that because he, that's who he is, mm. right? And so the closeness of that relationship helps them to recognize where it's coming from Mm -hmm. and see that hey this is actually really good news it's not just he's doing it so he can get something back because that's not really good news Mm -hmm. that's just transaction that's how things are supposed to work in the world but it really is good news when 
we recognize, wow, God has changed his heart to the point where he wants to be intentional about doing things out of love. And I think that's something that's very unique about our faith and that we want to share with other people. Yeah, the the importance of the relationship and who you are in that relationship, right? The relationship can have ups and downs. You could be really close or maybe, you know, you're, you're kind of new friends or acquaintances or coworkers or whatever it is. But like when I think we, we, we talk about in church and just your stories of like, let like God's love, um, overflow from who you are into other people or let his light shine. It's, it, it, it could be the direct talking to them about things. It could be the you know, direct uh, conversations about faith and stuff, but it, it also is who God has made you to be in that relationship and letting that be um, the part that is almost like evangelizing, evangelizing to them passively, where it's like just your character, um, the way the decisions you make, you know, all of these factors in who you are and, and how you live your life could be things that, um, evangelize to somebody so you know decisions to not do something or do something could be something that evangelizes someone the ways that you show grace and apologize or act with humility could be the way that you relationally evangelize it doesn't only have to be like you like you guys are saying echoing just the you need jesus because you know you need to be saved that that is the truth and that that is a point where I would hope you could have a conversation about that. But again, when it comes to evangelism, I think that is the first thought that comes to mind, but it doesn't have to be the only. Yeah. As you're talking, Brett, I think the thing that the word that came to mind is alignment, Mm. you know, and we want to be people who are living in alignment where our actions and our words are aligned together to point to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's really what, relational evangelism is all about it's not just our words need to say the right things but how are we letting the lord transform who we are so that our words and our actions are all in alignment and really pointing people back to him yeah you know and that's a great way for us to be able to evangelize to other people as they recognize like there's something different about you than all of these other people that i interact with what is that yeah well jesus jesus is the one that's that's transforming me into this type of person that's has strong character and is loving. I mean, I I don't have kids right now, but I think the example that I kind of think of, and I hope to get to where you guys are at and the esteem that you guys have. But, um, it's kind of like when, when you see someone's kids and people feel like, Oh, they're, they're like a really good kid or just the way that they behave, the way that they act, just how smart they are, whatever it is. Right. And then it's kind of like, a natural reflection of their parents, right? You assume like, oh, they're a good kid. Well, it's like, well, this is their parents. And then people are like, oh, no wonder why, or, you know, whatever that might be. And so it's in that same way, like us as children of God, when people see us, do they say like, oh, they're good kids or they're good. I don't want to just say believers because that makes it sound weird, but like, are they a good representation? Because Like you said, that's the highlight of like, oh, that's what makes them different, right? And so in that same way, I hope that we can be a good reflection in that way, that when people see us, they know, oh, wow, like, no, they're they're good people and and it's different because of 
what they believe in and who they believe in. And, and that's the kind of thing that sets it apart. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jesus even said that about himself, right? He said, I, I only do what I see my father doing. Right. And I think that's something that is hard for some people uh, that are, that are non-believers because, you know, they focus a lot on the old Testament and say, God is full of wrath and anger and vengeance. And, and I don't know if I, I get that, but Jesus is cool. I like Jesus. Jesus is nice. He has these, you know, nice things to say. He's a good person, those types of things, good teacher. But then if we really look at it, it's like, but he's the full representation of God, mm-hmm. right? And so he's giving us a picture of who God really is. And so if you if you like what Jesus has to say, that's really who God is. It's not two different people. It's not the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Jesus is the representation of his father in heaven, right? And so when people say they they love Jesus, then it's really like, yeah, well, that's you, you're seeing God. Mm-hmm. I'm just quiet because I'm enjoying listening to you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, <clears throat> for me, excuse me, for me, it's, uh, I don't know, this thought just popped in my head, like, it seems easier to engage in relational evangelism when people ask us questions mm. rather than us having to find the right time to like insert either ask questions or insert some kind of thing. But I'm like, how does, how does that happen? Does that just become from, you know, when we're, we're not, we're in the world, but not of the world that we look different and people mm. ask questions like, hey, why, why do you do that? Or why yeah. do you, operate that way why do you say things this way you know like so so i was just listening to you guys i'm like if people ask me questions i i have more confidence and boldness but i feel intimidated sometimes to be able to try Mm. to find the right thing to start a conversation and not make it go weird you know (laughs) yeah 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 you guys have thoughts on that that's a good point i i think in the limited times where i've had that opportunity or someone has asked a question it's typically because the way I did something mm. seemed really different, but it wasn't like a, oh, I'm just doing it to stand out. Mm-hmm. It was like a genuine, like, no, this is this is why I, I'm choosing to do this, or I'm okay, I'm okay with this. And it, I, I think, I personally think that people take more notice to those things, but they may not like talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think people perceive certain things or or um, notice things but I think they also in their head don't necessarily want to bring it up and make it weird and so there's been a couple of times where I've brought it up on my own and I had to be willing to all right if it gets weird it gets weird right I think there's that step of faith or boldness and it hasn't always worked out in the ways that I I would have wanted but um, most of the time in my experience it's been like oh like kind of unexpected that I would choose to make this decision or do this thing differently. And then it kind of, they can't help but ask almost. Yeah, it's like they, they see you operating out of a deeper conviction, right? Yeah. It's not just some kind of kind of flippant, worldly value or whatever. It's there's something deeper. That yeah, they, yeah. And it like peaks their curiosity yeah. or like, huh, why did, that's kind of weird almost. So then, otherwise, I, I don't know how you get, people to ask questions yeah. besides say hey, hey look at me am i doing anything different <laughs> i think it's cool because uh one of the verses that noah shared on 
in his sermon on Sunday was First Peter 3.15. Mm-hmm. And this is what it is. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think a couple things that stand out about that passage is, you know, it says give a reason for the hope that you have, right? So there's something in us that's hopeful, that's different than what the world has to offer. And when people see that, it sparks something, right? And so when when that happens, are we ready to give a reason for, for that hope? Mm. Are we ready to share what that reason is with other people? And it kind of goes back to the first part of the verses, which says, always revere Christ as Lord in mm. your heart, right? Mm-hmm. So if we are doing that, then then people will see it, see the hope that we have. And the reason is, well, because I'm revering Christ as Lord in my heart. Mm-hmm. And that that gives me hope. It's interesting when you when you read that passage, it has in it's implied that people are gonna ask you questions. And so then to me it's implied that you're gonna be different and you're gonna stand out. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking back to the the culture of when when that was written, when Peter wrote that, you know, the it's ma- mainly still a Jewish culture. But there are Christians, so there are Christian Jews living in that culture. So they're they're going to be standing out in a lot of different ways. So they had that already kind of built in, and it's kind of sad to say that in in our culture, like a lot of people don't know us as Christians. Mm. Like they don't know us any different th- than you know their neighbor next door, and that we don't do things different enough to even generate that. And yeah, I think too. It also helps to see what the context of the letter is too. So if we look at the first parts of first Peter three, it it talks about how husbands and wives are supposed to treat each other and how that will help to set people apart. Mm-hmm. You know, how we honor and submit and things like that will help other people to recognize there's something different about the way that that family relates to each other. And then the second part before we get to um, through 15 talks about when we suffer for doing good. And how that actually will help people to see, well, why are they enduring the suffering? Mm. Why are they enduring that? Why are they continuing to to do good in spite of that? Why are they not going to the wooden rule? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and something about that will set us apart. Mm. And I think really, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes. That's something that God wants to do with us is he, he doesn't want us just to be good. He wants us to be holy, which is set apart for him. Right. And when we are living out of that place, then people are going to notice there's something different about them. There's something different about them. And I think that is a big part of relational evangelism is living our lives in a way that people can recognize we're set apart and who we are set apart for. I I, I feel like that's a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a wrap, man. I think that hit a good spot for this episode. All right, so next in our next episode, be on the lookout. We, we're going to have Noah Chi and Henry Chi joining us to t- continue their sermons and some of the thoughts that they might not have had time to, to share. Uh, but until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. 
You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.